G'day and welcome to episode 12 of Homestyle Green. Today I conclude my conversation with Vernie Ryan uh, discussing the event organised by the New Zealand Green Building Council and this was the Masterclass Day um, following the Sustainable Housing Summit. Vernie, we're, we're back. Hello, Matthew. So last time we talked about the Sustainable Housing Summit that was hosted by the New Zealand Green Building Council. Yeah. And the day after the housing summit was uh, a day, another day of masterclasses. Yeah, that's right. And this was a chance for um, industry people in, in smaller groups, a bit more intimate, to get a bit more into detail about um, some products and, and also some ideas, but it was a good time to play with some toys. You walked away with some nice LED lights, I think. Yeah, I did, actually. That was really good. And then I managed to score another one off someone who, who took one away from the session and decided they didn't have anywhere to put it. So awesome. I was very lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I noticed that there weren't as many CEOs and uh, sort of – High-level managers at the, at the master classes, but there were there were a lot of architects there. Yeah, I noticed quite a few architects um, and a few a couple of house builders as well, which was good to see. Yeah, there were a couple. I think they were the, mainly the ones that um, were were either t- talking at the event or uh, had had done stuff. I guess a lot most builders are busy building at the moment. Yeah, that could be true, and it's difficult for them to take a uh, a day or two off yeah. to come to these sort of events. Um, so highlights highlights for you for the masterclass day. Well, I have to say the lighting one I did really enjoy, and I'm not sure if that was just that it was at the end of the day and people were a little bit more informal, so there was a lot more kind of just uh, banter and chat. So we got to really delve into a little bit more depth. Yeah. But I think the presentation generally were really interesting as well. I found them quite a good refresher in terms of energy efficient lighting, but then also just hearing the the sort of the real life experience from the guy from eCubed about the type of lights they use and what the latest developments are and some of the stuff that's coming in the future just looks amazing. Like it could really transform the way we live in our houses in terms of light and lighting, which would be I, yeah, I thought that was I thought it was great because um well, who's eCubed? What are they all about? Well, you know <laughs> I don't know if I'm the expert to talk about this. You should probably get somebody from EQ. But as far as I, as far as I could say, um, they they are. I I reckon they're one of the top. Uh, I guess um, building engineer, sustainable engineering, sustainable design companies in the country. Yeah, it's probably fair to say that. I mean, yeah. they do tend to get trotted out at a lot of these sort of conferences and presentations <laughs> because well, they're the guys job. who you know they do do a good job and, the, yeah. and the, a lot of the Green Star office buildings have had input from eCubed. So, so they do the thermal modelling and uh, well, I, I think a lot of the modelling and probably some of the design work as well. Yeah, I think I think they do, they do quite a lot of, of both of that. But they do tend to, my experience of them is that they work with, you know, say some of the big architecture firms to deliver a really high green star office building, for instance, yeah, so yeah, they yeah. do the ventilation so and lighting. They're the well, guys that you call if you, if you need to figure out how to achieve your energy targets. Your, your grand vision, as your architect has the grand vision and then they call them in to, to make it work, really. How are we going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, being a bit the thing, the thing I liked about that presentation was that they they were with Philips, so Philips was the Philips uh, lighting, um, 
and but they didn't um, sort of fully endorse Phillips. Yeah, across the board. Yeah, they they gave a very um, uh, practical yeah. kind of feedback almost of of what was good about the Phillips products and and where they had been sort of waiting and observing from the sidelines and, and then only only moved when they were satisfied with the output and the quality of the lights. Yeah, that's right. So they're so, pretty independent, which is great. Yeah, it came across as very honest and, and it was quite useful information as well to say, you know, we, we looked at these for a little while, they weren't quite right initially and then they developed them a bit more. And um, But, yeah, gee, uh, particularly at the end of that stuff with um, o, OLEDs, yeah, that's going to that's gonna change a few things. Organic LEDs. Who yeah. growing LED lights? Just yeah. sounds sounds bizarre, but yeah. um. And I like the idea that you could um, turn your ceiling into a um, whatever you like, like a, a night sky or a or a forest canopy. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, but coming back to the now, uh, the the new I've, I've mentioned what uh, before about the new regulations for for downlights, and I was interesting interested in their comments to say while they've produced some lights that are now CA rated so you can insulate up to them which you have to under the new code as of a couple of days from now I think um, that their impression was that that um, builders and sparkies are just gonna not do it not do any downlights yeah well I <laughs> I have a terrible feeling it'll be a, it'll be a bit of a combination. So I'd say you will still get builders and sparkies doing downlights, but they'll they'll just install them and leave a huge gap. And I don't know. I just that the room for error in this whole thing is would make me suggest to people they just don't bother with downlights at all. That's a good idea. So, and you could then have a fairly pristine thermal envelope, which would Imagine be another that. good idea. Yeah. So um, without being too down on downlights, I'd have to say. It's all pointing towards changing your fittings and getting them to be as efficient as possible by having just standard corded fittings or doing away with yeah. those downlights. I was quite excited to go and try and find one of these uh, replacement downlights that they reckon were now only $40 instead of what I've seen in the hardware shops at $90 or yeah. more. Uh, they were pretty adamant that you could, they, were, they were pricing them around the $40 mark, which... Um, yeah, that would just about do it for me, I reckon. Yeah, well, similarly, but I've I was got, quite I've surprised got, I've got to about hear that. Eighteen, I think, in my house that I need to replace. <laughs> so that's still going to, you know, cost you nigh on eight hundred dollars, and then you got the electrician time. So yeah, it's, it's a bit painful. But it's painful, but doable. You know, it is. It's, get, it's becoming doable. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. That was one of one of the highlights for me. I think it was. Uh, it's also good to have some toys there and actual things to to touch and point. To yeah, and, um, isn't it? Isn't it great? <laughs> and some fascinating stuff there about um, why lights are the color that they are, and and just how much. You know, I just tend to think of a light as a light, but there's so much science in the temperature and the um, uh, uh, how much uh, how well a light. Um, Brings out the colours in in the things in the room, and uh, it's it's quite a science. Yeah, it's a science, and quite a lot of psychology in there too. Just in terms of the human perception of that lighting. Yeah, you know, they were talking there about the fact that the over eons of evolution, we've evolved to actually quite enjoy firelight, yeah. uh, which is quite intriguing. And 
how in it seems in warmer climates in the sort of more tropical climates they actually prefer the cooler daylight yeah because yeah, it, I thought that was pretty fascinating cooler, it feels makes you feel cooler rather than the in a, in a colder climate we we tend to like a, a is it a higher temperature i think it's a higher temperature um warmer looking light warmer essentially looking, sort yeah. of more yellow light because it, it yeah. feels warmer yeah yeah more like the sun really yeah yeah, interesting stuff. I think um, it might be a lower temperature, actually. I think the high temperature tends to be the cool ones. That would make sense. But one of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong. A 50% chance. <laughs> now, I facilitated a session on that day on ventilation, which um, I always suspected was going to be a little bit uh, contentious, and I was proved correct. There was a bit of uh, there was a bit of concern even before that presentation actually. Some people writing to me, being very concerned about what what was going to be said, um, because ventilation is is one of those topics. It's it it uh, kind of it divides people. Yeah, well, I think potentially the reason it divides people is because we have some ventilation type systems in this country that are very heavily sold. Yes, um, and there is no. Uh, really legitimate scientific research out there to say whether they work uh, or don't work. So that's not to confuse that with other types of ventilation, um, which might be a balanced ventilation system that does work. So, yeah. you know, you, it's it's a bit of a fraught industry, isn't it? If, if I was hoping for a simple bottom line answer from that ventilation, I was sorely disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, I think you would be probably. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I guess is uh, pretty telling for uh, the whole industry because the the general message is there that it's very situational and you've got to really look at what is the problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, I think that's absolutely key. And I, I think the, the key thing from all the research that's come out of brands is that uh, whole house ventilation seem, is usually the last option. Mm. Um, the, and it's usually the problem there that the problem that's trying to be solved is usually um, one around condensation or, or moisture control um, or uh, what are some others it might be just indoor just general indoor air quality yeah yeah absolutely um, and it, you know it always starts with a thermal envelope always always starts with a thermal envelope and then Things like local extraction at the source, um, re- decent heating, and there's sort of a the four or five um, steps, and, and then whole house uh, ventilation is pretty much the last resort. Well, I think a lot of the houses that we live in are actually pretty well ventilated. I mean, they're actually they're over ventilated. Some of the older yeah. ones, so you'd have to question why. Yeah, the infiltration. The Infiltration rates are, are pretty huge, and they're certainly good enough. Uh, and, but it's not a controlled way of ventilating. So this is really, I suppose, where um, some of the arguments come in for building your house as tightly as possible, and then using controlled ventilation to extract and refresh that air, yeah, and recapture the heat from that, the heat energy. Yeah. Um, but sadly, that's not often what we're being sold in this country, particularly. Um, well, another thing that I was interested about was that. I was under the impression going into that that a balanced system whereby you, you have a heat exchanger so you, you're drawing warm but moist and stale air out of the house, running that over a heat exchange which is 
transferring some of that heat to the ambient uh, fresh air that's coming being drawn in from the outside so you basically the idea is that you're getting fresh warmish air into your into your home i was under the impression those balance systems were were um, in all cases going to be better than a, a positive pressure or supply only system um, but the the interesting point was that those systems are a complete waste of money if you a house isn't sealed so in a typical house that's maybe built anything up to probably the 1980s in this country um, you're probably wasting your money with a balanced air system yeah well again i think it's you know this is where we just have to be really careful because it's a case-by-case basis for each of our houses and this is the difficulty with any of these solutions is that um some of the solutions will work depending on your house setup yeah um so I think rather than just a balanced system, it's a system that uses true heat recovery yeah. um, can can potentially save you energy. But as you say, if you've got a, a house that's leaky as all get out, then you're really not going to be – it's not the best use of your money to put in a system that's going to be doing that. You'd be yeah. better off actually trying to make your house a little bit more airtight. So first of all, you need to figure out where the air is leaking and go and seal up your windows and – Put draft stops in and um, check that there's no massive holes in the in that thermal envelope. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Which which but we don't really tend to do here. Uh, I mean, you probably count the number of blower doors there are in the country uh, on one hand. Well, that is true, and I do, um, you know, I, I do have some sympathies in terms of trying to get our houses built a bit more airtight. Um, but on the other hand, we also we've got a very open plan style of living and a very indoor outdoor style of living. We like so sli- we like sliding doors. We do like sliding doors, and we do you know we just we do tend to live a little bit differently to the Europeans, who yeah. will build their houses very tight and then put in these kind of uh, mechanical heat ventilation, heat recovery locks. systems. They have lobbies with the yeah, airlocks. they do have lobbies with airlocks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we don't really live like that. That's no. not part of generally, you know, if I'm going to talk very generally uh, in terms of New Zealand culture. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but it just means that our solutions for ventilation and our housing probably can and should be very different. Mm. Where we take our indoor-outdoor flow to extremes. <laughs> well, there are some architects out there who do say that we should have a, you know, a winter and a summertime house. Um, so, and it's an interesting concept that you know we build the house for year-round use, whereas we could be building some parts of the house for use, particularly during winter, some parts particularly for summer, and altering the way we actually uh, use the functionality of that space. So it's not not you don't have two but houses. You don't, you don't have your summer house and your winter house. <laughs> all all designed in the same house. <laughs> but um, yeah, that could be a that could be another three-hour session probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, so yeah, I mean, ventilation huge topic. Um, Brands has got some really good information on their website, but also Eka does too. And um, sometimes um, it, it'd be nice. Uh, it's some some of their stuff. They got so much there, but it's a little bit hard to find. Yeah. But there is a really good report that was done recently, two thousand and end of two thousand and ten or two thousand and eleven, so, um, about the heating potential for. Uh, uh, forced air or positive pressure systems yeah 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 that's right and it basically said there's none uh well well the bottom line was uh the the average 
effect of blowing blowing air from your roof cavity into your house was about the same as five light bulbs or it was about 500 watts essentially was the the average now obviously that's going to vary in, in all sorts of different conditions but it basically says if, you, if you're after a, a cheap form of heating which a lot of these have been marketed as yeah definitely and you're definitely wasting money yeah well i have noticed just recently quite a switch in the way these are being marketed now and well generally they don't they don't overdo the heating aspect which i i i think you that they'd have to as on the back of that report it's pretty you'd imagine yeah it's pretty compelling yeah yeah um so. So the, the I mean, we're not going to have time to cover all the uh, sessions on that masterclass day, but one uh, interesting one, very interesting one, I'd have to say, uh, very early on in the day, the uh, the plenary session. <laughs> yeah, supremely interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> of which, uh, who presented that one, Bernie? <laughs> can't remember, can't remember. I may have had a slot now, I think about it. Yeah, I think you did. So you pretty much opened the day um, with a, a session on the thermal envelope. Yes, indeed. Which was great. It's always always good to uh, refresh on that. What, uh, eco, eco designer, do you know much about eco designer? Well, you know, I didn't until I started um, preparing for this presentation and then had a little look about, uh, you know, what it was all about. So then I, I, I did have a, a gander at it and I recently been doing a little bit of work with different tools from around the world that, that do some of this energy modeling really? stuff. That was yeah, it was really interesting to catch up with uh what Bob was saying about eco design. So what how would you describe eco design? How'd you what's your uh Well my take on it was that it was a design tool that you could use to design a home and then out of that you could run these simulations that would give you an idea of how the home actually performed, provide you with, you know, what your average energy running costs might be and then also your kind of carbon footprint coming out of that, mm. which there are quite a few tools around that do it. Eco Designer is one of them. Um, I haven't used Eco Designer, so I can't, I mean, you know, I'm not in a position to really talk about it, but it looked interesting certainly and the right. results they were yeah, getting. I, do you think it's a game changer? I think all of these um, sort of building information systems are a game changer, and the, and the, the more simple they get, you know, you can get plug-in tools now for SketchUp, for yeah. Google SketchUp. So you can do your design in Google SketchUp, and then use a plug-in tool to estimate how much energy that house is going to use, and do a whole lot of different thermal modelling on it. it. It is pretty incredible the amount yeah. of stuff that's becoming at our fin fingertips in terms of design and getting the optimum outcomes. Yeah, so. that is, an, and if people want to check that out, go to just search for SketchUp plugins, and I think there's a section there uh, called environmental. At least last time I looked, and there are two, possibly three different plugins you can get for SketchUp, which are free, um, and you can play around with those. I, from my understanding, is that the, and I'm not an expert on this by any means, but um, part of the challenge for all of these is the need to define the zones in the plan. So a lot of the, the plan uh, software is really designed for one purpose, and that is to communicate the shape of the building and, and to print it out on, on a piece of paper so that someone can build that building. Yeah, sure. Um, to, to make that into a, a 3D model and then to use that for thermal analysis requires a, a little bit more data to be added, and you have to sort of say this is the heating zone and this is where the... Um, 
this is where you know the, the boundary of the thermal envelope and, and those sorts of things. But I, I think it's rel it's becoming relatively easy to do that. And certainly once you have done it, it gives you the option of, as Bob said, pretty much the push of a button, you have uh, at least a prediction anyway of what it's going to cost to run. At, yeah. Uh, in, a, in a specific location, I, I would imagine that you can plug in some climate files. Yeah, absolutely. For the property. Yeah, yeah. I think you can plug in all of those things. You'd need to to be able to run a, a proper simulation of it. But yeah. Yeah, they're, they're powerful tools, all right. And and the ability to, I guess, tweak your design and maximize the output from it is really is really the key. Yeah. So you'd want to see a designer not only becoming familiar with the tool, but being prepared to optimize their design using it. Yeah, uh, and to ideally get before the, the roof trusses went on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did show a nice example of uh, of a project halfway through, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that, that one of the first, first times I met Bob, he told me about that project, and I was... Um, found it hard to believe that a, a house could get to framing stage with the roof, I guess it's almost about to, to close it in on the roof. And then somewhere, somehow, uh, Bob comes along, models the house and says, take the roof off because it's all wrong. Yeah, it was going to be a huge... They'd essentially, for, for people who are listening to this, um, they'd essentially created a huge heat sink yeah. in the house that was going to suck all the heat out of the house into this huge thermal wall. That's right. The idea was to have a thermal mass in there, wasn't it? Yeah, which but is a great idea, but, but there, was there was no sun on it. <laughs> there was no sun on it. So, And Bob was able to tell quantitatively from the analysis that this thing's actually going to suck the heat out rather than yeah. um, put any in. So again, using Eco Designer, he was able to redesign that with a large north-facing window that let that sun come in and hit that thermal wall and heat up that mass and make it work, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess the, the the most exciting thing from all that is that Eco Designer up till now has been an additional purchase and, a, and an add-on to Archicad. And very shortly, within the next couple of weeks, uh, version 16 of Archicad is going to be released and Eco Designer uh, is going to be included. Right, okay. As a st as part of the standalone package. It's going to be, yeah. Part How much does Archicad cost though? Oh, lots. <laughs> there is a there is a um a smaller version which is uh sort of a cut down version which I I looked at which is still three and a half grand though. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's a lot, but I mean if you're if you're a, a drafts person and that's what you do, then that's that's your tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact that they're now rolling this is, and I know that some of the the really complex thermal models are are not cheap either. No. So to have that included in there. Yeah, no, it's I'm, great. Sound like I'm doing a sales pitch here for Archicad. I'm not. I'm not getting anything from them. Perhaps I should. <laughs> maybe you should sponsor this session. Maybe, maybe they should sponsor the show. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, the, the that's that's amazing. That basically means that well, there's no excuses now. Yeah, which is that's an interesting one, isn't it? That that you can you'd be able to go back to your architects and say, why did you not design my house optimally? And you I suspect that, I suspect that. Uh, just because it's there, not everyone will use it. Um, but it, it is. I think it's pretty exciting knowing that that's that is going to be around, and and hopefully, hopefully, even just the concept of the fact that you can do this thermal modelling on a individual yeah. house basis. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of drafts people probably probably don't even go there. Well, let's just hope that the uh, the people who are training the draftees manage to open their eyes to the ability of, of the tool to actually provide them with optimal solutions. Yeah. 
you know, because that would be that would be a game changer if all the new drafties coming out knew how to use that. That'd be very cool. Hey, um, we better wrap up. Any other big highlights for you for the masterclass day? Well, um, well, I did have a session um, that uh, the some of the eco design advisors provided some input to on on basically communicating sustainability on builds, and I found that really interesting. Oh, yep. I in terms of how to make sure you get a a sort of a decent build happening and what are the most important things in terms of communicating that. And a lot of it came down to just, I guess, educating the people on site and the subbies and all the people that you've got this vision for a more sustainable home and that they've got a really important role to play in, in making that happen yeah. by not by not screwing things up essentially yeah, yeah. Uh, and by not doing all of it, bringing all of their bad habits and baggage onto site. So. It's about working with good people who are trained well and understand the vision that you want to deliver in terms of that sustainable build. So it was a really good session, though, really interesting. And there was one other session uh, on waste as well, um, which were, I think, the the guys from Stonewood. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, waste is pretty unsexy as a topic. Uh, when you, <laughs> I think we initially had that one labels as waste management. It's like, oh, God, don't call it that. But... Um, there's some there was some awesome stuff there, and and I know that you've experienced this with uh, working with Hobsonville as well. That that's, the thing with waste management is it's done so badly, traditionally that there's yeah. some, there's some really easy wins there to actually save some money immediately. So uh, and there's some really great stuff going on uh, around better procurement, better ordering, um, but then also just smarter thinking of, of how you, or you, you the type of bins you get on site, where you put them and, and how you sequence them. Um, that, But, that, I mean, the the really thing that stood out for me from talking to the guys from Stonewood was the fact that they that's been a part of their job that's been so successful, they've rolled it out immediately to all their builds just because they've saved so much money from doing it. Yeah. Absolutely, and and it's interesting because I think not all of those Stonewood builders were that into it. Again, because it's probably a bit of a bit of an unsexy topic, and they feel it's going to be a lot more hassle. Yeah, and but it's when they realise it's a change, it changes yeah, the way they've yeah. done things um, normally. Yeah, but but yeah, it's great that they're all on board with that now because it's actually, like you say, it's relatively straightforward to to save a lot of money on that waste bill. Yeah, yeah, and. and they're, um, they're, that's coming straight off their, their margin, I would imagine, in most cases. Well, yeah, because all you're doing is taking product to site and then throwing it in a waste skip. Yeah, and, and so, then pay for the uh, for the dumping. Yeah, so, you know, any waste on site is really just madness. Yeah. Lots of uh, really good stuff there. Um, like I said last time, the presentations at, uh, at the moment are up for the summit uh, in PDF form on the New Zealand Green Building Council website um at this stage uh, i haven't seen any presentations for the masterclass but i hope some some information will be there um available at some stage because uh, there was lots lots um presented um but if anyone does want more information i guess head on over to the uh, the green building council website and i'm sure you can um some find some stuff there sounds like a good plan hey well uh thank you very much again for your time very appreciate that yeah, no worries, Matthew. Nice talking to you. And uh, we'll catch up uh, again next time. Okay, great. All right, cheers. See you then. Well, there you have it. There is our wrap-up of the Sustainable B 
Building Summit and the Masterclasses. Now, since uh, recording that conversation with Vernie, the Masterclass information has started to go up on the New Zealand Green Building Council website and I'm sure by the time this is uh, uploaded there will be more content there. So do head on over to nzgbc.org.nz and navigate through to the information about the Housing Summit and the um, the uh, Masterclasses and you'll be able to find Heaps of information there are freely available by uh, download. Most of the presentations, or a lot of the presentations, should be available in PDF form. And there's lots of great slides there that you can uh, have a look at. Uh, do get in touch if you've got any questions or comments about the show and uh, let people know. And also remember you can subscribe uh, in iTunes and also in the brand new Apple podcast app, which is a great way to get content and also subscribe easily to uh, to this podcast and others like it. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Matthew Cutler-Welsh and this is Homestyle Green. Homestyle Green.